What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Guest Friday on Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. You can follow uh, the podcast on our social pages on Twitter and on Facebook for the latest updates. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Today on Guest Friday, we're joined by a returning guest, uh, Kyle Belanger. Kyle is here to uh, talk all things fantasy football as it is uh, that time of year as NFL season is almost started and uh kyle it's a it's an exciting time of year talking fantasy football yo garrett first of all thanks for having me back i love guest friday is uh it's it's neat to be a repeat offender and i love that about what you do yeah it's a great time of year man i mean like i consider july to be a mock draft and chill season uh but once we turn the once we turn the calendar to august there's no chill and so i've been mocking for you know, eight weeks now uh, and ready. Uh, all of my leagues draft in the next two weeks. Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. thankful for that with all of the fluidity that we see through the first three weeks of the preseason. Mm-hmm. Now that we've got some, uh, some, some answers in some of the places that we've had questions, it's a great time to chat fantasy football. Thanks for having me back, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think going back to our time at, at Springfield, you know, talking fantasy football around this time was always, uh, was always fun. So um, I think getting into this season in particular, um, you know, a couple of high profile players uh, switching teams, you know, that'll kind of be interested or I'll be kind of interested to watch that. So um, just kind of your thoughts on the upcoming season. It's a really good this. I don't think we've ever seen. And I mean this as a traditional football fan too. sort of the pre if we can imagine a time before fantasy football. My first fantasy football season was 1989. I drafted Randall Cunningham first overall uh, and skated to the championship. I ran a pay league with other 12 year olds. Yeah, that's how much of a degenerate I was. And uh, but yeah, this this season. Coming into this 2022 season, we have seen more fluidity with high profile wide receivers than I remember in my life period. And so what does that mean? It means, you know, all eyes are going to be on the Devontae Adamses of the world. All eyes are going to be, you know, on Tyreek Hill. But also, let's not forget what those dudes are doing to quarterbacks who have um, who have traditionally underwhelmed, you know, the Derek Carrs of the world, and uh, and for Devonte, that um, sorry, Derek Carr for Devonte and and Tua for Tyreek. So I mean, this has really put up or shut up seasons for four guys in that situation. On the flip side, we have a couple of high profile quarterbacks that that are in new places. I'm looking and so excited to see what Russell Wilson does to that wide receiver core in Denver. So there's a lot of storylines. I love this because this season from a fantasy perspective seems to be ready to reward people who pay attention. Um, We can never minimize the chance and the luck, right? There'll always be that jerk in your league who doesn't even watch games that ends up with the third seed. That's never going to go away. But I think what we're going to see is we're going to see attention being rewarded. Hmm. That's really interesting. So you know, yeah, as you said, Russell Wilson, that's another name that uh, switched switch spots. Um, you know, Carson Wentz switched teams. Matt Ryan switched teams. Yep. That'll be interesting to watch some of those guys as well. And let's talk about the vacuums that they left, right? And so the thing that I think we have to keep in mind is that these quarterbacks that switch teams, you mentioned Matt Ryan, you mentioned Carson Wentz, you mentioned um, Russell Wilson as the headliner. The vacuums that these dudes left behind, I mean – 
one of the things I love going into my draft season or a fantasy season is when I can just X out certain teams. Don't even want them. Don't want to touch them. It's good. They're dead to me. That's Seattle. I'm going to tell you, man, I don't care about the physical freak nature of DK Metcalf. I don't care about the otherworldly um, possession game of Tyler Lockett. I don't care about Ken Walker and Rashad Penny. I don't care about that team because it doesn't matter if it's Gino or uh, you know, it's that the winner of 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 that of that quarterback battle. It, it's not going to matter to me. The team's dead to me. So going, if you've still got a draft ahead, feel free to take a big Sharpie and X out every single Seattle Seahawk. It's you DK Lockett, Rashad, uh, Ken Walker. They, they aren't going to hold it against you. That team's going to be poo-poo. Um, honestly, sadly, same with, uh, same, same with Matt Ryan's Falcons. Um, you know, I, Marcus Mariota is probably a great guy. Probably a wonderful dude. I bet he smells nice. He's probably tells good jokes. I don't want Marcus Mariota anywhere near Kyle Pitts. Um, Kyle Pitts this year, people love drafting Kyle Pitts. I love drafting Kyle Pitts. That video of him trucking a dude on the outs, he's a wide receiver. And yet, I the Kyle Pitts ascendance, he broke out last year. If he holds this year, it's great. Kyle Pitts ascendance will be next year with a top three quarterback pick. It will not be with Marcus Mariota. So I like when you look at the quarterback position, you can decide how much in a team you want to be. And, uh, and, and those are the guys that I'm looking at. Hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting that you mentioned, you know, the guys that leave those teams and yeah, you know, it's probably going to be hard to expect anything out of any of those Seattle guys that you just said, um, I think getting more into kind of the quarterbacks, you know, I think that it's pretty obvious, you know, who's at the top, who's near the top, you know, Alan Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, um, who are some other guys that you really, really like this year? Well, it's funny. Um, and, you know, you got to know your league, right? You got to know whether or not dudes are are, are going to draft court. If you're in a league where people are drafting Mahomes and Allen in the first round, that's not my kind of league. You know, we I, I recognize that when you have these one-off positions, the tight ends and the quarterbacks, and there's a 12-team league, you're better off to wait. And so I'm a wait-and-see guy. And so the guys that when I factor in draft cost, when I factor in average draft position, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Lamar, those guys are off my board because they're going to cost me top four, top five round picks. And I would love to have them, but not at the cost of the wide receivers and running backs that I'm giving up to get them, sure. which leaves me with guys. Um, you know, I think even Mahomes is a guy who I am pleased to not draft this year. He's a third round pick right now. I think his average draft position when you look most places is middle of the third round. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, that's why I'm really enjoying the tier that involves like if I'm going to go early ish on a quarterback, I'm looking at Russ. I'm looking at Russ in the seventh round. Hmm. Um, Russ, you know, this is a guy in Russell Wilson Hall of Famer. He will be in Canton who is about to play in um, in one of, I think, the most ascendant offenses in football. I think, you know, if you guess on Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy and get it right, you're going to get a top 12 wide receiver. And Russell Wilson's going to support that. Um, so if I look at Russell Wilson, Trey Lance, Aaron Rodgers, Dak, some places, these are guys that you can get in the seventh, eighth, ninth round and still already have three stud wide receivers, 
two stud running backs and a flex. And now you're looking at uh, what you can get at quarterback. So those are the guys that I'm really looking at. Russell Wilson in the seventh. Heck, if Russell Wilson falls to the back of the seventh, he is mine everywhere. You can still get Trey Lance in the ninth. And while the risk factor with Trey Lance is pretty big, we know it's his team. Uh, and we know that fantasy scoring is sort of broken. It rewards guys who run. And so Trey Lance is a guy you can get in the ninth. Um, and if you miss on Trey Lance, um, you know, there's a good chance uh, Aaron Rodgers will be there right on his tail in mid, late ninth round. And these are guys um, who, uh, who I am very, very happy with what my um, roster construction looks like when you get to that level. Now, there are some guys that I'm fully off, not just because of um, draft cost. I mentioned, obviously, the Allens, Herberts, Murrays, Lamars. Um, I want Jalen Hurts to fall a little bit more. I want all the Jalen Hurts. I want all the Jalen Hurts. All dude does is roll out and score you 20 points. Um, and anyone who played him in, in, in DFS last year knows that. You were getting him at around like 55 hundo, and he was rolling out 20, 20 points every week. And he's going to do that this year. He's going to do that this year again, and he's got A.J. Brown. You know, he's, that offense really seems to be coming together. I want Jalen Hurts, but that's right around where I'm thinking about jumping, right around that sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth round. Nothing before that. What about um, Stafford and uh, Joe Burrow? I'm kind of curious about those two guys. I'm glad you asked about them. I love, I love Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford, especially when you look at his average, average draft position, which is, you know, mid late ninth round is, is great. And he's going to win a lot of people, a lot of leagues this year. So I am, if you miss out on that Aaron Rodgers Trey Lance um, area right there, Stafford is the next guy. You better have him in your queue. Cause if you see that quarterback run going and smart drafters know to watch that, right? Mm -hmm. Don't just watch your team. Watch all the teams in between yours to see who still needs that quarterback. You got to make sure not to miss on Stafford because um, after that, I think you're looking at sort of the Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, Tua's, and I think it's too late at that point. Now, yeah. Joe Burrow is instant, interesting because I want Joe Burrow. He's awesome. He's maybe one of the top five best NFL quarterbacks that we have ascending in the league right now. But I'm not sure if Joe Burrow in the fifth round, you're drafting him at his ceiling. I think you're drafting Joe Burrow as the guy who won the leagues last year because he was going nuclear in the fantasy playoffs. Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow was just a dude from like weeks one through 10 last year. Uh, he was dropped in some leagues. Mm. Um, you know, had a lot of not QB one weeks out of the top 12. So if you get Joe Burrow, around the middle of the fifth round where he's going, I think you really are, you're buying at his ceiling. And I think if you're buying at Joe Burrow's ceiling, I can't believe I'm going to recommend this in redraft. I think if you're buying at Joe Burrow's ceiling, you, you, you gotta think about what it would be like to pair him with T Higgins. You know, I'm not recommending stacking him with Jamar chase. I'm not recommending using your first round pick on Jamar chase and your fifth round pick on Joe Burrow. Cause I think that leaves you threadbare elsewhere. But I think if you could get, Joe Burrow in the, let's say late fifth, early sixth. And in the late third, early fourth, you T Higgins yourself. I think then you give yourself enough of a nitro boost that on those weeks when the Bengals go nuclear and they will Garrett, I love that offense. If, if they would, if they would throw, throw the ball more, run more plays, they would be otherworldly we'd be talking about them like the kansas city chiefs if they would run more plays but they don't so that's why i think 
Joe Burrow's risk factor to stay healthy is fine, but it's like, are you going to get enough volume for a guy who you're drafting in the fifth round? You know, when, when, when you think about it, like who are some of the running backs going in the fifth? Well, that's the running back dead zone, but in the, in the fifth round of wide receivers, here are some guys right around Joe Burrow, Mike Williams, dude, that's guy's going to win people a lot of, a lot of championships, Cortland Sutton going right before him. I mean, these are dudes who Allen Robinson going in the fifth round. So, I mean, would you rather have, um, you know, Matthew Stafford in the ninth and Mike Williams? I would, <laughs> I definitely would. Hmm. Um, well, it's interesting talking about, you know, your quarterback approach. That's very similar to mine as well. Um, Cause we're Springfield guys. We're yeah. smart. Um, I'm curious about your thoughts about backup quarterbacks. Do you, do you do that? Or is that something that you just kind of deal with during the season when your guy has a buy? Yeah, always during the season. Um, those those end of bench spots are so valuable. Um, I'll tell you my only exception to that is if you have a guy, last year I drafted Trey Lance everywhere. Drafted him in the 11th round, had him everywhere. And obviously I kept, I kept him on my bench until the end of the season. And that was painful. I will never do that again. I will never do that again because you're eating up. You know, you want at the end of your bench a flyer. Right. That last, that last bench spot, you want it to be, here's, here's what I recommend. Don't hold a, a second quarterback. Do you know how many, here's a good question. Do you know how many quarterbacks finished with a QB one week last year, Garrett? 35. There are 32 teams in the NFL, 35 quarterbacks finished with a QB one week. So you don't need, yeah, you can play, get your dude. Even if you and look, if you miss on your dude, don't be, don't worry about it. Go, go into the, go into the season. If at the, if you miss on all the quarterbacks you like, don't panic. Cause you're going to be fine. You can play matchups through those first few weeks until you find someone to send, you know, there's some great tools online to find streamers, to stream quarterback where I would much rather do with my final bench spot instead of holding, let's say here's a, here's a good QB two. Jameis Winston. Lots of people are going to roster Jameis Winston this year or Trevor Lawrence. Great QB two, right? People want that promise of QB two, Trevor Lawrence. Instead of rostering Trevor Lawrence, when by the way, not even Trevor Lawrence's mom is going to roster Trevor Lawrence. Instead of doing that, how about every single week roster Alexander Madison for three days? (laughs) Every single week um, roster Tony Pollard from Friday through Monday. And that's, that's where the supercharge of that 16th guy on your bench comes from, you know, really look at one of those handcuffs and, and, and go, go hard at one of those handcuffs. You want to, I mean, Isaiah Pacheco, all the hotness, this, this off season, right? The undrafted dude out of Kansas city, getting some interesting snaps in preseason for, uh, for, for the chiefs. People aren't sure if he's supplanting Clyde. How about this? Your last round draft pick, instead of taking Baker Mayfield, Take Isaiah Pacheco. And then by the end of week one, you look at the snaps, you're like, nope, missed, missed on that, but it's fine. Whereas if you take Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, now you're going to feel like I've got that, I've got that, that spot locked up now. And I'd rather not throw him back to the fishes. Whereas those dudes are always going to be in the ocean for you. Gotcha. Um, well, I would definitely agree. That's definitely uh, something that I've done the last couple of years is not, you know, wasting a roster spot with a backup quarterback, you know, backup tight end even. 
yep. um, to, you know, put someone in during buys. Uh, looking at running backs, you know, this is the position I'm most curious about because it really seems like there's a huge drop off after the first, you know, five guys that might go. And even within that, there are guys that I'm not even sure about. Running back is always that thing, isn't it? Running back is always you win and you lose. You don't win and you don't win your 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 league at the draft, but you can lose it if you miss at running back. Right. You absolutely can miss it. And so I think here's some advice for for the running back position. First, you got to know your scoring system, right? I mean, there's no, you know, are if you're a half point or a full PPR, that matters. If you're a standard scoring league, that matters. And so it's important to recognize that, you know. Here, here's what I, here's how my approach to running back this year. If I'm at the back end of the first round, I am fine going with a couple of guys in DeAndre Swift. Let's say I'm at pick number nine, DeAndre Swift and coming back with Aaron Jones, a couple of pass catching guys who are very likely going to eat in the passing game. Why Aaron Jones? Because we know historically that when targets are vacated and the, the Packers lost a ton of targets um, when Devante and I think Tunyon and I mean, like lots of dudes are uh, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, those, those targets are gone. And we know historically those go to the running back. So I am all in on Aaron Jones this year. He's uh, going uh, the two eight. That's his current ADP eighth pick of the second round. And uh, if you can scoop him up a little bit, it might feel like a little bit of a reach, but I think a guy like Aaron Jones, a guy who's going to receive passes, uh, you are, you're in good shape. Um, if you're in a half point or a full point PPR league. And I, and I do think that most leagues are either at least half or full at this point. Now, if you're in a standard league, you're going to have to look, you know, to guys uh, who, you know, I hate to bring up the name, but a guy like Damian Harris, who's just, who was just so efficient last year with the touches that he got around the goal line. Now I don't recommend going with Damian Harris at all this year um, because I do think, you know, he's an unpaid running back in a system that seems to be, we don't know anything about this offense. We don't know nothing about the Patriots offense. Uh, that offense is in Las Vegas. And so um, that's, so if you're, if you're in a standard league, you know, I think, you know, bump up guys like um, like Nick Chubb, uh, who I think, you know, could easily be argued as, you know, a, in, a, in a standard league that doesn't reward targets and catches. You could argue Nick Chubb's a top five back up there with McCaffrey and Taylor and mm -hmm. Derek Henry. Um, you know, so I think you mentioned that top tier. Yeah. McCaffrey, Taylor, Eckler, Henry. Let me go Kamara and Dalvin Cook in there as well. Um, I think that's your top tier with McCaffrey and Taylor obviously being at the tippy top. Um mm -hmm. But after that, you know, if you're looking at guys, if you and if you miss out on that group, it's okay. You know, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones. These are guys who, Javante Williams. Bro, do you want to talk? I would love to talk about Javante Williams. Yeah. Um, that is a guy who, one Melvin Gordon foot injury away from being Alvin Kamara. Um, and so you can build, but if you miss out on that top tier, you want to avoid in your draft building process, there's the running back dead zone uh, rounds four through six. If you're drafting a running back in rounds four, five, and six, the miss rate is astronomical there. So you're better off getting at least one guy rounds one through three um, and then letting her ride. And, you know, maybe later in the, here's a guy, here's a name, put this in ink. You can get him in the eighth round. And uh, I don't understand why Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds is going to win a lot of people, a lot of money this year. He's the dude. 
He was the first running back signed in free agency this year. Mike Daniel wanted him, went out and got, of all the running backs, it was Chase Edmonds. And yeah, you can say they got Sony Michelle, they got Raheem Mostert, but also say those names back again, right? You Chase Edmonds is a dude. He's one of those guys who the more touches he gets, the more efficient he gets. And I believe strongly that Chase Edmonds, if you miss out on those middle guys, it's okay, go for Chase Edmonds in the eighth. You know, if you end up, Christian McCaffrey in the first, you got the 101, 102, Christian McCaffrey or Jonathan Taylor. If you're afraid of Christian McCaffrey, and I understand. <laughs> Just maybe, maybe reach for Chase Edmonds in the seventh round, and you're going to be all set. All set. Uh, a couple of guys I'm curious about, uh, Leonard Fournette and Joe Mixon. Because those are guys that are kind of not quite like top five guys, but they're guys that, you know, I could see maybe get picked in the first round. Yeah. I would love, I, I love the idea of Leonard Fournette more than I like rostering Leonard Fournette. So I'm happy to let Leonard Fournette be a, a landmine on someone else's, uh, a headache on someone else's team, especially if the Brady saga continues this year. Mm-hmm. Um, because without Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette is, you can perforate it and put it on a roll. Like he's, he's not, there's nothing, there's nothing there. Um, so Leonard Fournette might be good. Um, he's, I've seen him go in some home leagues, especially in new England where people love their Tom Brady. People are overvaluing Tom Brady's weapons a bit and Leonard Fournette. I've seen him go middle of the second round. Um, I'm mostly, you know, he's a, he's a second, third round turn kind of guy, but I'm, I'm happy to let him go to some, go, go somewhere else. Joe Mixon though, is a guy who is, um, who's one coaching decision away from being a stud. Now, Joe Mixon, a lot of people forget this. I think I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think he finished as the RB five last year. You know, that's, and he doesn't do it with big splash weeks, but he's just constantly in the mix. He's just constantly giving you RB eight, RB five, RB six, RB three. He's never going to, he's never, ever going to have a three touchdown week. But what he's going to do is constantly in a half or a, a full point PPR, he's going to constantly keep you in contention. He will not lose you a week. So I prefer Joe Mixon. In fact, I've taken him a couple places at the 109. Um, and I like that roster construction. I oftentimes at that 109 in a 12 team league am forced to choose between Mixon, Jamar Chase, um, which I know obviously same team. And for the steadiness of Joe Mixon, uh, I, I go Joe Mixon. Now, Jamar Chase is obviously, you know, nitro right into the veins. He can win you a week on three plays. But uh, but with my first round, first round pick, I'm trying not to lose. I'm trying not to lose. Um, I'm curious about like running backs in particular. And like, if there are certain guys you target for like the rushing yards, there are certain guys you target for the receiving yards. And is there like a combination that you like to go with in terms of the types of running backs? That's an excellent question. And honestly, it all happens. I think the most important thing that we can do when we draft our teams and when we construct our teams throughout the year, because of course, don't forget the team that you leave draft night with better not better not look anything like the team that you finish the season with. If it does, you're not doing it right. And so um, when I look at my roster construction, I like to stay water. I like to flow and take what the draft gives me. And so if I do go, let's say, let's say, let's say I end up with a Jamar chase in the first round, or let's even play a better game. Let's say first round, I end up, I decide that, you know, I'm at the five and McCaffrey Taylor, 
um, Henry and Cooper Cup are gone. And I decide to go Justin Jefferson at that five, which I think is the right decision. If I go Justin Jefferson at the five, that means coming around the back end, I'm going to want, I have a steady stud at wide receiver. I'm going to want to decide if I am looking at a DeAndre Swift. And if I get DeAndre Swift as my RB1, a guy who has a decent risk associated with him, misses time three, four games a year. He's in an offense. He's probably going to get the hard knocks bump. So people are going to probably overvalue him because of hard knocks. It happens every year. So if I end up with a DeAndre Swift, who's a little more volatile, both in health and output, I need to make sure that I come back with a safer third round running back. I want to make sure I have a guy, let's say like an Ezekiel Elliott, who I think might people might have people might have forgot about Zeke. Um, all they've done is show us that they are committed to Zeke this preseason and the offseason. And so I think Zeke at a third round value is a perfect compliment. He's a steady force in that backfield, a backfield that's going to run a lot of plays and score a lot of points. He's a guy who would compliment a more volatile DeAndre Swift or a more volatile um, Alvin Kamara, you know, a guy who we're not sure, you know, Kamara last year with Jameis Winston, not great, not great, Bob. Um, he's a guy who, who I, you know, you could argue that Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees tied together made both of them because those efficiency numbers went way down once Drew Brees wasn't there. So I like to make sure that there's some balance. Um, and if I can't get balance, if the draft falls to me and I end up with two guys who are volatile, you know, a, a DeAndre Swift um, and, uh, and, and a Saquon Barkley, DeAndre, wow, that's giving me nightmares just thinking about leaving a draft with DeAndre Swift and Saquon Barkley. And it could happen. <laughs> that could happen, right? You go DeAndre Swift at the, you know, the uh, 111 and then come back with Saquon. Uh, no, I guess it would, no, that'd be a hard one. If you'd have to get him in the third round of Saquon fell, but, but so those are two things. If I end up with that, because it just looks right, then I better make sure my wide receivers mm -hmm. are the steady, you know, Keenan Allen, T Higgins, the guys who are going to, you know, catch seven, eight passes for, you know, 68 yards and maybe a touchdown every week. Cause that volatility, you got to balance it out somewhere. Unless look at you. Some people like to ride the dragon, right? If you're into riding the dragon in fantasy football, ride that dragon. Um, I'm curious about what you think about Travis Etienne. So obviously he missed the entire year last year, you know, coming back, uh, James Robinson, you know, is in that backfield too. What do you, what do you expect from him this year? Man, it's every time I want to flip the page to Travis Etienne, the Jacksonville Jaguars tell us that James Robinson's still the guy. And that is terrifying to me. It's terrifying. I don't know what to do with that situation. I believe that Travis Etienne is the future of that team. Yeah. I believe that James Robinson is a very good running back who has made it hard to move on. And so I also believe that last year was such a flaming dumpster in Jacksonville that I'm not sure what we can make of that entire roster yet. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is I do know that they value Trevor Lawrence, they value Travis Etienne, and they can't seem to quit James Robinson. Now let's look at, let's look at their average draft position to figure out what that actually means. Right? So Travis Etienne right now is going in the middle of the fourth round. That's, that's going to cost you. So if you're going in on Travis Etienne, that's a guy, if you want to talk about running back roster construction, that's a guy that you know 
if you get him at the four seven, it might be worth it. And that's in that running back dead zone. Hmm. It might be worth making sure that you can get a guy early on while Travis Etienne is still being worked in early on, like a, like a, well, I hate to say it because I already told you to X him out. Rashad Penny is a name that comes to mind. We know Ken Walker's out for about eight weeks with this hernia surgery. So Rashad Penny, who is made of balsa wood and glass, will break down. Um, but all he's done in his career is when he's on the field, he's fantastic in fantasy football. So maybe you end up with, if you get a Travis Etienne and you're thinking, uh, week six through 10, that's what I'm targeting there. Maybe you make sure, maybe in your queue, you make sure you don't forget about Rashad Penny in that eighth round, or that's when you reach for, um, you know, for a Chase Edmonds. You don't let Chase Edmonds get to someone else. So I think it's really important when you look at ETN, you remember that. Now, the flip side of that is that James Robinson is in many redraft leagues going undrafted. You know, he's an 11th round guy. Um, and that tells me that people are ready to move on. The fantasy the fantasy community moves on so quick. I mean, they break up with people quicker than a seventh grader with raging hormones. You know, they, all they need is for someone sexy and new to give them a look and they're out the door. And so the fantasy community has done that. We can't forget about James Robinson, but also James Robinson folks need to recognize that, um, that, that the, that the, the time is nigh for Travis Etienne. Hmm. Um, who are some other, like late round sleepers at running back who are some of the guys that like, maybe you take a flyer on like yeah. we talked about earlier. Mm. I'll give you three names. Uh, the first is, um, is Brian Robinson out of Washington. Um, but he's, this guy's going undrafted. So Brian Robinson is going to be the guy that you take with your very last pick instead of taking Baker Mayfield as your backup quarterback, Throw a, th throw a couple of ducats on Brian Robinson. We don't know what's going on in Washington right now, but we know that Antonio Gibson looks like he's been sent to Siberia. I don't think the Washington offense is going to be good. I don't think there's much to go around there. I don't think that noodle arm Carson Wentz is going to be able to do anything with the football, but I do know that a third round running back has some draft capital, especially when it appears as though they're trying to move on from Antonio Gibson. And so Brian Robinson is one of those guys. Uh, another guy um, is a name that we've heard before, Daryl Henderson. Um, Daryl Henderson, again, everyone's all hot and bothered with Cam Akers, and they should be. But Daryl Henderson represents, and he's a guy who's going in the 13th round with the Los Angeles Rams. He's a guy who represents potentially a 50-50 backfield split in a Sean McVay offense. And that's a dude who the early part of last year was an RB1 for the first six weeks or so, was winning people weeks before he gets banged up. So Daryl Henderson is someone who's been left by the side of the road um, and I think is someone who in the 13th round represents um, a little bit of, well, not a little bit, a lot of potential value. So in another, well, I'll, I'll go to my next one as, in a second here. But so Brian Robinson uh, with your last pick, I think Daryl Henderson in the 13th round um, and a name that I mentioned already, Isaiah Pacheco. Um, but because he's a guy who is, you're going to know what you have after the first week. So don't, don't, don't give them your class ring yet. You're not going steady. You just want to take them on a quick date to see what happens uh, mm -hmm. in, in week one. Um, another interesting guy is Damian Pierce, with the Houston Texans, um, who appears to be their first, their, 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 their starting running back. Um, the problem is it's the starting running back for the worst team in football. 
Um, and so I don't know what that means. Um, someone sort of earlier though, that I haven't mentioned yet is AJ Dillon. Um, and AJ Dillon's a late, late sixth, early seventh round guy. Um, AJ Dillon is a monster and is a guy who Aaron Jones misses games. And when Aaron Jones misses games, AJ Dillon is going to be a top four running back on the week. Mm -hmm. So if you have the, if you have the, if you have the roster space in the sixth or seventh round, if you're willing, here's what you do. If you're willing to say no to Russell Wilson in the seventh round, because you know that Trey Lance and Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers are going to offer you something, offer you something later. That's your Aaron Jones pick right there. If you're in love with Russell Wilson, so be it. You're in love with Russell Wilson, but that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of deal you have to make in your head with yourself. When you look at a guy like AJ Dillon in the middle rounds. Um, so kind of moving more towards wide receiver. Um, you know, I feel like that's the uh, very, that's the popular position in the last couple of years. Um, you know, the guys at the top are the guys at the top and they're, you know, really elite, you know, I'm curious about what Cooper cup season looks like. I mean, obviously it's not going to have the season he had last year. Um, but I think, you know, clearly is a great option, you know, chase, uh, Jefferson, uh, Debo Samuel, um, you know, it's funny. I was lucky enough to get cup and Samuel in middle rounds mm. last year and mm. you know, rode them to 10 straight mm. wins. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah. You could have just started those two and benched every, or just rested your starters and still Seriously. been pretty good. <laughs> keep, keep guys healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at this year, you know, you talk about those, those upper tier guys and you name the ones that everyone's thinking about cup Jefferson, Devante, Stefan Diggs, Jamar chase Debo. There's a couple of guys at the back end of the top 10, as many people are ranking them that I think really deserve some extra attention. The first is an old man, Mike Evans, Mike Evans, in what is it? I think he's, uh, I just checked his birthday. I think he's 73 years old. Mike Evans. Um, Mike Evans is going to be the only show in town for a while. Um, we know that Chris Godwin's not going to be ready for many, many weeks. Despite the fact that we hear from coaches that he's doing well, he's still, everyone's acknowledging he's still month, um, at least a month of game action away. Mike Evans is going to be the biggest, best, and without Gronk, there in Tampa without uh, with, with an aging Julio Jones, who's somehow older than Mike Evans, um, Russell Gage. Okay. Okay. Russell. Okay. But still Russell Gage, right? Mike Evans is the show in an offense. That's going to throw the ball 42 times a game. <laughs> um, and Mike Evans, we've seen it. Mike Evans needs three catches for three touchdowns and he wins you a week. Mike Evans might actually end up being a volume guy and still get the 12 touchdowns. And so I think we have to remember that Mike Evans, if you're building running back, running back, if you are going to do what I'm doing in many places and do the, the sort of mix in Aaron Jones, do see do and you, and you see Mike Evans fall to you in that third round, that's where to go. And then right after that, I'll talk about someone in the fourth round who I'm trying to get everywhere. Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman Jr. with Matt Ryan has the Michael Pittman Jr. If you've never seen how physically large this man is, it is unbelievable how much I see him and I see a young Julio Jones playing with an aged Matt Ryan. 
Michael Pittman emerged last year with Carson Wentz. And if you don't think that another step forward is coming um, with, with hall of famer, I said it hall of famer, Matt Ryan, then, um, then, then you got another thing coming. So Mike Evans, Michael Pittman. Um, and then I'll stay right in that same sort of tier. Mike Williams and Cortland Sutton are three, are two other guys um, who I believe that you you you're likely going to have to choose between the two of them in the fifth round, but those are the three guys. I hope no one in my league. So I still have to draft against is listening to this. Those are the three guys that I am, I'm shooting for in those rounds. Um, and if obviously, you know, you have contingency plans, but if I can go Evans Pittman and either Williams or Cortland Sutton in those rounds, um, I'll throw in AJ Brown there as well. Cause I do believe that AJ Brown is a guy um, who is going to emerge. And then, I know it scares people on a pull to the side of the road here. Allen Robinson in the fifth round is another guy who I am all in on this year. Um, the, the potential for Allen Robinson to, um, he has never been bad. He has only played with garbage quarterbacks. Um, and, uh, and I think that's important to remember uh, two other names. I know I'm rattling on here. Um, I think we need to f- not forget um, about Adam Thielen who, uh, throughout camp and he's a sixth, seventh round guy right now, um, with this new offense in Minnesota that is looking to throw the ball more. I think Adam Thielen, um, is going to be the beneficiary, the beneficiary there and is, is going to absolutely eat. And then in the ninth round, ninth and 10th round, Robert Woods, don't forget about Robert Woods, the number one target in the Tennessee offense. If you believe that Tennessee is good, and you believe that Mike Vrabel knows how to run a football team. You believe that Robert Woods, who was completely healed up from that injury last year, um, is, uh, is an, you know, 85 to 95 catch guy uh, and might get in the end zone six or seven times. And if I could tell you, you could get that from your 10th round pick, you'd take that. Hmm. Um, so I know we talked about it kind of at the top. I'm curious about Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and, you know, the, the targets with them. And, you know, are their numbers going to be, down which i'm kind of expecting you know based on the the quarterback play in miami and then just the other weapons in, in uh, vegas yeah. uh, with, you know waller and, and renfro nayat adams where it's like okay it's a sexy move but it's like is he really gonna perform the same way that he did in green bay i know i wonder about that a lot with Devonte adams as well I, I wonder a lot about it because of the division as well here's here's what i like about Devonte adams in oakland I was looking at numbers and I don't have them in front of me right now, but the number of 50 plus point over under games that Vegas is projecting this year is almost entirely AFC West games. And so here's what we know about Devonte Adams. Devonte Adams will be in shootouts all the time. I don't know if we can say that for Tyreek Hill, <laughs> you know, I, and, and that scares me a little bit too. I do think Miami is a much improved offense, much improved team. Um, but I don't, th- I think that if you look at what new England is going to try to do against Miami, they're not going to, I mean, that's the Mac Jones offense. Now they're going to slow it down. They're going to try to grind you down. Um, the jets aren't going to get into shootouts with anyone. Um, yeah, you know what Dolph, the dolphins in Buffalo, I'll circle both of those games and I will stay up. I'll pop popcorn. I'll get, the coldest, hoppiest IPAs I can and enjoy the hell out of both of them because they're going to shoot out. Those are going to be fun. But that's different from when I look to the AFC West. And I think about <laughs> think about those quarterbacks. You have Mahomes, Herbert, Russell Wilson, and okay, Derek Carr. But like, those are three of the top five quarterbacks in football in one division. 
and they are going to shoot out. So I think Devontae Adams has a better chance of returning 85 to 90% of Devontae Adams than Tyreek Hill does. I also think that Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is not that guy. Tyreek Hill is, Tyreek Hill is get, get him in space and let him do the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I think Tua can do that. I do. But I think um, that's going to be on the new coaching staff there. And we know that the coaching staff there, we've seen the San Francisco offense before. We've seen Jimmy Garoppolo get the ball to Debo Samuel in space and let him go. Um, and so I think Tyreek has that ability. Tyreek is just going to have to learn to be a little more, either a little more elusive or um, a little more physical, which is not in his skill set because Debo Samuel is a man. Debo Samuel, um, you know, is, is, is built like an outhouse and, uh, and no one's tackling him. Tyreek Hill. Yeah. He's a little slighter of figure. And so um, I do think the scheme is going to be there, but if I'm going in on one of them, it's Devonte Adams. I've done Devonte. I've got, I've, I, I've gone the Devontae Adams route in a couple of drafts and I don't hate it, but he's a guy that you need to take at the back end of that first round, which means you have to play it a little safer in rounds two or three, which is not really my way. Um, another guy that I completely forgot about that changed teams, you know, maybe isn't as high profile as Adams and Hill, but Juju Smith Schuster going from the uh, Steelers to the chiefs, you know, and the chiefs obviously have had some turnover in that offense, but Kind of curious about what what he has. Do you do you like Juju? I I think I think I kind of like him in Kansas City. Um, I do maybe too. It's like a wide receiver two or three. I do too. You know those guys on that on those one year deals. I think that he's got a lot to prove, and I kind of like him with Mahomes. Yeah. So let's talk about what that means. Let's talk about that. We know that the number one target is Travis Kelsey, and will always be Travis Kelsey. Let's also talk about Juju Smith-Schuster at the end of the sixth round, top of the seventh. That's a very, it's a decent, it's a decent draft cost for a guy who might be the number one wide receiver target in potentially the number, in a top three offense in the league. But then let's also talk about Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who's being drafted in the back of the 12th, early 13th, and the value that he potentially offers too. Now, look, I Love Juju. I want a slice of Juju. That sounds delicious. I would, it really does. Um, I think that, I think that Juju Smith-Schuster has a better than 50% chance of returning the wide receiver. He, he will finish as a wide receiver too. I can guarantee that he will finish as a wide receiver too. Now the question is, are you drafting him as a wide receiver too? Wide receiver twos do not win your league. They don't. They're going to give you 10 to 12 points a week. But they do give you some security. Um, and Ju- do, so does Juju Smith-Schuster have wide receiver one upside on a week? Absolutely, he does. On a Kansas City offense, he absolutely does. I like Juju, and I'm, I'm, going, to have, I'm going to have a piece of him in some places. Some other... Um like late round sleepers kind of similar to running backs. Any guys that you're thinking about? Yeah. I. Oh. Can you hear me now? Okay. Sorry. I don't know what happened. Um, okay. Hold on. Yeah. Look at wide receiver sleepers are really fun this year. Cause there's some guys who you're going to be able to get for a song that could pay off 
big time and pay off right away. One of them, ninth round guy, but Alan Lazard. Give me Alan Lazard in the ninth round. Um, we talk about the vacated targets in Green Bay. They're not all going to Aaron Jones. And Alan Lazard is showing out in camp. And so I love Alan, Alan Lazard in the double early double-digit rounds. Um, I'm also kind of hot and bothered with the potential for Chris Olave. And I never say this with uh, rookie wide receivers, especially rookie wide receivers on teams where they're not going to throw much. But with this latest Michael Thomas injury, if you miss two years with an ankle and then you a hamstring pops up a week and a half later, I might be done with Michael Thomas. Um, this is a, an official show me moment for Michael Thomas. So give me those two. I mentioned Marquez Valdez Scantling, who's in the 12th round. Um, and I also think that, look, if you believe in, if you believe that Julio Jones has anything left in the tank, and I do mean anything, then a 12th round pick for a guy who you might be able to cut, who you can cut after week week one, if there's nothing there. Um, I think that's interesting. And one more who you don't even have to draft, but you do have to put on your watch list is Wandale Robinson with the New York Giants. Um, the New York Giants are horrible, but what they've done is the New York Giants have committed to showing their cards. And there's no, there's, there's no um, subterfuge there. We know that Wandale Robinson is their slot wide receiver and it might not be worth anything, but put them on your watch list and don't be afraid to go in. If after week one, you see seven targets for Wandale Robinson, five targets for one, if he's getting all the snaps, Wandale Robinson could be a guy um, who, who, can, who has a spot on your roster. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You talk about him because I remember uh, watching him in one of the bowl games and I was like, Oh man, I'd love the Patriots to get their hands on a guy like that. But um you know, yeah, I'm excited to watch how he does. And you know what's interesting too, Garrett, is there's a couple of guys out there right now who if you have, if and this is, goes to really to knowing your league, if you know you have an IR spot, don't wait to use it. There are a couple of guys who you can draft and as soon as the draft is over, slide them into the IR spot and then pick someone up off of the uh, waiver wire. And I'm thinking specifically about Michael Gallup here. Michael Gallup, a guy who um, will not, who will start the season um, injured, um, but when he comes back, will be the second target on an offense that's going to score a crap ton of points. And so, you know, Amari Cooper's gone. Um, Dalton Schultz is not going to be a guy who commands Michael Gallup targets. Yeah, early on in the season, it's going to be um, C.D. Lamb and Dalton Schultz. But as soon as Gallup comes back, we saw it at the end of last year. Michael Gallup eats targets from Dak and Dak loves him. So if you can draft Michael Gallup and your last pick in the draft, your 13th pick, and then as soon as the draft's over, drop him into the IR and go and, you know, grab your flyers. Um, someone who could end up being great right away. Gotcha. Um, so kind of briefly looking at tight ends, um, who are, who are some tight ends that you like? And then what are some kind of uh, sleeper picks? So I, so here's the way I like to approach tight end. Um, I love Mark Andrews. I love Travis Kelsey. I love Kyle Pitts. I don't need to say that. They're wonderful. Owning them is a joy. Unless you own Travis Kelsey last year and he got COVID during the semis and the finals. Not great, Bob. But um, but I love those guys. I'm not going to have any of them because in the second and the third round, I'm drafting wide receivers and running backs. Um, I also, people are probably wondering why I haven't said anything about George Kittle or Darren Waller. 
that's again, fourth round, it's a little too rich for my blood. Now let's get down a little bit to where I like to take um, my tight ends, which is late single digits, early double digits. One guy that I'm looking at this year, no, and if you're if you're a Kelsey, Andrews, Pitts, Waller, Kittle person, honestly, I love that. I get it. I totally get it. I've 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 hugged that lightning before and it's exciting. And it can it can make a whole season when it goes right. For me though, I'm looking at guys like don't laugh at me, Cole Komet. Cole Komet in the 10th round is a guy who the Chicago Bears. We're not talking about real football here. We're talking about fantasy football. The Chicago Bears offense is going to be one of the best offenses for fantasy football. Let me finish because of the way it's run. There's going to be exactly three names every week. It's going to be Justin Fields, right? It's going to be Cole Komet and it's going to be Darnell Mooney. And that's it. I'm talking about the passing game. You know, David Montgomery is going to be the wide receiver or the running back 15 this year, and it's going to be fine. But that's the that's the target tree right there. It's it's Mooney and it's Komet. And Justin Fields might only throw 25 times a game, but 15 of those are going to Mooney and 10 of those are going to Komet. And in a position with tight end at a position where some day, some weeks, if you don't have Andrews, Kelsey, Pitts, Waller, Kittle, some weeks you're hoping for three catches for 40 yards and maybe a touchdown. That's that's what you're hoping for. Cole Komet offers more than that, and he offers it at a 10th round value where all of your other positions are already stocked. So I like Cole Komet. Um, I, I actually don't hate David Njoku. Um, if you want to talk about late guys, Jacoby Brissett hyper targets his tight ends. We saw it. We saw Jack. Remember when Jack Doyle was a thing? Jacoby Brissett. Um, Jacoby Brissett, for some reason, some quarterbacks just have positions that they zero in on. And Jacoby Brissett is a hyper targeter of tight ends. So I think David Njoku, who also fits the athletic profile, I think he could be um, an end of the draft guy. Um, middle rounds, uh, I don't hate Pat Fryermuth and Dawson Knox. Um, but specifically, if I miss out on, I'm sorry, I'm not missing out. Cole Komet, David Njoku, last several rounds are where I'm going. But that's not to say that you can't go Waller, Kittle in the fourth, Andrews, Kelsey, Pitts in the second and third. It just, for me, changes my roster construction a little too much. And for crying out loud, do not have a backup tight end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I'm now kind of curious to ask you some flex questions. So um, obviously there's the the age-old, you know, wide receiver running back at the flex. Um but I think that also has a lot to do with like how, you know, whether your league's a standard or a PPR and that kind mm -hmm. of definitely plays into it too. Definitely. Definitely. And I think um, also knowing, knowing what your roster looks like um, as you build. Um, I think one of the, you can always tell in your drafts when you're drafting against someone who doesn't really go into their draft with a strategy because they want to fill, especially like new fantasy players, they want to fill their starting roster before they move on to their bench. And I love those guys, you know, or those, those players, the seventh round, they're taking a kicker. You're like, all right, it was great. You know, eighth round, they're taking a defense. Fantastic. Right. Let it all fall to me at that point. I think that um, in this particular case, when you're looking at 
your flex position, I think it's wise to look at that after the draft, um, to see where your positions of strength are, to see the way the draft did fall to you. Um, maybe you, and, and for, from a philosophy standpoint, I think that the draft is your nitro boost, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the flex possession is, position is my nitro boost. So, you know, if I have a solid roster, give me someone in my flex who can win me the week. And so early on in last season, that was Cordero Patterson for a lot of guys, for a lot of players. Cordero Patterson was the ideal flex player because you plugged him in every week. And then um, you got that nitro boost. He was scoring a touchdown a week and it'd be like 20 points from your flex position every week. But that flex position is meant to be flexible. And so I want to even encourage people to not think about your flex position as anything set. I want you to think about that flex position as one that, if there is a last second injury, you know, if you have, even if, if Christian McCaffrey is your RB one, but he's playing Monday night football, move him into your flex position for the week. So that if he tweaks that groin and, and warmups, yeah, you might be going to get Fozzie Whitaker, but at least you're not, at least you didn't lose, at least you didn't get a zero on Sunday when you were out picking apples and didn't check at the last second. So that flex position is meant to have some sort of flexibility there. So I would encourage people to think about it more as a, a position of power that you can, that you can then, you know, maneuver around in case the fan blades turn Brown on Monday night. Um, I'll be honest. I don't really want to waste any time on kickers and defenses, you know, yes, unless, no. unless you have any thoughts. My, my thought, here's my thought. Ready? One, you're absolutely right. Don't waste your time. Two, if your league allows you not to draft them, don't draft them. Get a couple of position guys and wait until the day before the season and then stream kicker, stream defense every single week. And uh, you'll piss off about seven of the 12 players in your league. That'll be a, a, an emotional advantage that you have. And you'll be a smarter player for it. Don't waste your time with kickers and defenses. Um, so the last couple minutes, um, any tips for uh, success, whether during the draft or during the season? You know, to honestly, we, we, we spend so much time, Garrett, getting really serious about this, but have fun. If you're not having fun, like all of this, like me g giving advice on players to get, like if you're a player who really just wants to root for the Patriots and wants to draft Patriots, screw everyone, take all the Patriots you want. Like if you're someone who, if you, if you hate the Bills, and you just want to root against the Bills and people are telling you that you need to take Josh Allen, don't listen to them. Have fun with this. Have fun with this. I mean, my guess is that people who are listening to this right now, listening to me, giving them advice are not high stakes players. We're playing for 50 bucks. We're putting 50 bucks in. And if at the end of five months, have you had $50 worth of fun? Have you had $4 a week worth of fun because you have a team that you enjoy? And if the answer is yes, then you're doing it right. Um, so have fun. I hope talk a lot of trash, try to irritate people you live with, but mostly like this, like this whole league is predicated. And I mean, the NFL is predicated on losers like us. And there's no other league like that. There's no other sports league that's predicated on losers like us with our $50 going to drafts. We're the, we are what pushes the NFL. And that means that we should be willing to have some fun with this. I like that. I think that's great. Just very simple and 
uh, yeah, I always try to have fun in the leagues. You know, I always like to talk a little bit of trash. Some of my friends will understand that. But uh, <laughs> uh, this is a great conversation. Great to have you. And, uh, you know, good good luck in the in the seasons that you have this year. Thanks, man. You too. But and honestly, I don't need the luck. It's everyone I'm playing against. Okay. All right, everyone. Uh, good, good chatting about fantasy football. We'll be back with uh, more Not Your Average Boston Sports podcast next week.